The Raw kept their first clean sheet of the season. That's good. But they didn't score any goals. That's bad. It did get them a point away from home. That's good. But they're still yet to win an A-League match. That's bad. And the Brisbane Football Review starts now. That's... Yeah, we'll find out in an hour. Another week of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Wednesday evening as we're recording. And, well, look, we've, it was a mixed result for the Raw on the weekend as they drew nil-nil with Western Sydney Wanderers. But we're very pleased that you're choosing to listen to us here on one of our many podcast platforms. We've got Wooshka, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. And you may also be listening to us on the replay on Football Nation Radio, midday Queensland time every Thursday. We're, Regardless of where it is, we're very glad you're joining us, right, Adam? Yeah, look, it's always good to have uh, listeners, uh, old and new, listen to us. That might be the quickest like match preview, match recap we've ever done, isn't it? Yeah, fifteen that's seconds, it. it's done. Yep. So that's the end of segment one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, uh, we do have a lot of uh, raw stuff to cover, but an exciting match is not one of them. However, I'm trying to stay positive about all of this, and the fact that the raw aren't shipping goals at an alarming rate is nice upgrade over what we were seeing towards the end of last year when a bare-bones squad was, you know, getting uh, taken advantage of by teams in much better form. But, well, I suppose we better get into this game, shouldn't we? Yeah, and I think uh, ABC would be sort of kicking themselves at the moment as well. That you now it just seems the last couple of weeks, uh, the free-to-air game hasn't been really that enthralling, especially compared to the, um, the game at uh, 7.30 local time. So... So yeah, so uh, let's hope the the uh, national broadcaster doesn't give up on it. Maybe they should have taken the game after the Saturday night instead of the one leading into it. Because you're right, the games in that window have been significantly better. Mm. I think based on the way the A-League schedule was, ABC might have wanted that one. However, you can't interrupt those old episodes of The Bill. They are highly rated, those episodes of The Bill. Don't knock it. Does The Bill yeah. still even air? I don't know. Anyway, yes. I've never actually watched it, so Some, I don't know. Something rates are on Saturday night. <laughs> Here's an old episode of Spicks and Specs. Anyway, yes, Western Sydney nil, Brisbane nil. So that was the Raw's first A-League clean sheet in a very long time. I think I saw after the match it was 25 games, possibly? Yeah, it's late November. It was the City home game in round six last year when they the, got their first win of the year. It was way back then. It's almost 12 months to the day. And it was also the start of the Bruno Fornaroli exile for Melbourne City that day as well. Yeah, I think it's even longer period since um, Brisbane Raw Cup to Kench clean sheet um, away from home so um, so yeah look that, that's, if you want to sort of go the uh, half half glass full sort of approach you know the defence is uh, probably you know that's something that seems to be going well at the moment but um, yeah, yeah the Adam, there's, there's problems there's not a stat 
long enough to be able to keep up with the last time the Raw kept a clean sheet away from home ahead of the last weekend. But you're right, the defence was significantly better this week, wasn't it? We talked about it last week, how they got a lot of trouble with Naboo and um, Cam Sober making those runs in behind and transition in the wide areas. And the way they countered that was basically the two wing-backs sat deeper. It became a really flat back five at times without the ball, and the midfield four was both compact and sitting just in front of them with Inman just in that midfield four, and they became very compact and hard to break down. So that's how they dealt with it. So that was actually really impressive, the way they fixed the defensive issues from the week before. I think they were actually, they were actually calling it a back five. I think that, that's how deep that the um, the fullbacks in um, Macaulay Gillespie and... Neville and um, McGing. Yeah, that they, that they were they were calling so that, that so basically yeah but um, interesting selection as well I think they, they came out you know trying to fix that defence. Well, we'll get on to that change in a second. Let's first hear what the manager Robbie Fowler had to say after the match. I thought our lads were brilliant to be honest. I think we probably needed a little bit more luck. Um, I think if any team was going to win it, it was going to be us. Um, I'm obviously Western Sydney are coming into this game are absolutely flying. You know, three games from three, sitting well top of the league or. Uh, or there, thereabouts. Um, you know, we're a new team. You know, we've been to Perth, had plenty of possession. You know, not won the game. You know, we've, we've maybe let ourselves down in terms of um, not winning the game at home against Melbourne. Uh, again, we, we probably dominated possession. You know, tonight or this afternoon, we dominated possession again. Um, you know, we're creating chances. You know, it will be a matter of time before we start sticking away. But um, you know, full credit to our lads. I thought we were. I thought we were a different class today, to be honest. Okay, so that was Robbie Fowler after the match. And Adam, you were uh, led into that clip just talking about the change that they'd made defensively to try and shore things up. In came Daniel Bowles for the injured Connor O'Toole. So I suppose, Scott, I want to get your thoughts yep. on that change because it was one that baffled me early on. It's certainly one I don't think anybody saw coming given the fact Daniel Bowles has been injured in the preseason. And I don't think he played a single minute in any of the practice games, certainly not the public ones. He might have played some of the behind closed doors, but not the public ones. So that. I was surprised that he was the player to come in instead of, say, Aaron Reardon, who's been in the squad. That was a surprise. I thought Bowles did quite well in that position there alongside uh, Tom Alder. It really gave a bit more solidity in that back three. And Neville was okay on the left wing back spot. It's just really obvious in attack what he's going to do because he's all right foot and he cuts in. But defensively, that back five did work quite well. Yeah, look, it looks like it, the emphasis was you know, to try and shore up that, that back line. And I think that's, you know, when we talk about sort of the, the lack of bite that the Raw had... Um, offensively, it comes it comes down simply that you know you don't have you didn't have Jack McGing and you know Connor Tool as in previously you're bombing down and almost sort of you know in a way half exposing that that back three. So it was really you know in a sense you know a, a back five, and I think they they did a good job to sort of you know to nullify you know Western Sydney Wanderers who seem to be having their own sort of struggles in a way of you know of converting and whatnot um, for the second straight week, even though they they did win the Sydney Derby. Um, so, so I think obviously they've watched they've watched a tape and they figure out a way to at least you know disrupt and sort of neutralise um, the Wanderers. And I think that in the end, I think I think it was an it was an earned point. I yeah, they set up for a point, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. But I well, I don't know if they necessarily set up for a point. Actually, I I was about to ask, do you feel like maybe Fowler's gone? All right, look, you're not going to lose a game by keeping a clean sheet. So I think first priority is going to be to you know, be solid at the back and then see what happens going forward. Because it did seem like there were more resources contributed to defending this week as opposed to trying to find that balance. There were more resources attributed to defending in the recruitment as well. So that most definitely is his um, his MO is he wants to get that back line right. He's talked plenty of times about conceded 71 goals, far too many as we've talked about. So he's absolutely made that a priority. And yeah, probably getting a clean sheet was a, 
was a big focus for him this week after the first couple of weeks. He thought they played quite well, as you heard there, but defensively had kept considering the old goal of the game. To get the clean sheets probably was a big focus for him, and now it is about getting the attack right. And look, big picture, that's two goals in three A-League matches. That's that's something. It is. That's uh, And like I said, I don't, I don't think that... Um, I know it sort of grains against people's thought about you know, entertaining football and whatnot, but you know, I, I, it'd be hard-pressed to find people to say, oh, they'd rather go, go out and play attacking football and, you know, leaky, leaky defence and ship three or four goals every week than, you know, and, you know, maybe getting two, three goals, you know, you know overloading the attacks. So, look, at the end of the day, it can't it can't last forever. Like I said, at some point, there need, needs to be emphasis on scoring goals. But early on in the season, especially with the, with the you know, the league sort of compacted, you know, it's like there doesn't seem to be really one team that's just pulled right away yet. Is this compacted though? Sorry, go ahead. Um, well, we uh, 10, 10 points, 10 points at the moment versus two. Look, it's two to three wins. Um, obviously, no one really looks at the table until, you know, maybe rounds eight or nine. So, as long as they don't get too far away, but they can't keep on saying, oh, we want we want six draws out of the first, you know, eight weeks. That's that's not acceptable. But I think, given circumstances, given that they, you know, at least are showing to have a, you know, a strong defensive base, Look, maybe next week they'll um, they'll start looking at you know attack and take more risks. Just ask Wolves what the uh, problems of too many draws can bring in if you follow the Premier League. I don't follow the Premier League much anymore, to be honest with you. I think it's seven draws from eleven matches or something. Oh, jeez, yeah, that so is not great. That's that becomes a problem there. That's when bad. Yeah, that, that that is very bad. But yeah, attack. It's just. I was trying to avoid getting onto the attack yeah. for as long as possible. It's not clicking in the front third, is it? There were some half chances in this game, but there wasn't really too many. Really, absolute clear-cut chances crowd. I think the best one was the one that fell to Scotty Neville in the last ten minutes when he had that shot at the back post that forced a great forced a great save out of Lopa. That was really the best chance the Raw had. After, apart from that, there were a couple of half chances, shots from the edge of the box, sort of thing. But a lot of it was half chances, and that's not really going to cut it in terms of winning games in this league. Because if you're not creating enough clear-cut chances to win the game, you're not going to get the points. And a couple of chances Raw did have. Lopa actually parried the ball to Raw players. You can't rely on that every week either. You've got to be able to create clear-cut openings, and that just hasn't happened in the first month. I feel like I'd be feeling a lot better about it if they, you know, had someone who I looked at and if, who I could look at and go, "All right, if there is going to be a half chance, I feel like they're going to uh, take advantage of it more often than not." Well, normally Roy O'Donnell's yeah. that that guy. You know, we've seen it. You know, for Central Coast, you know, when he first arrived in the league, we saw it in Newcastle last two seasons. Uh, just it just seems saying he's snatching at shots at the moment. He's not really sort of, you know, putting them. All, you know, putting them away. So, um, look, I think a big worry is one goal in 270 minutes. I think that's that's a huge concern. Um, Which came from throwing everyone forward, trying to get an equaliser. It was a scrappy yeah. goal, wasn't it? It's, yeah. Every goal counts. Every goal but... counts, but it was a bit of a scrappy one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, and and that's and I think as well is that I just think at the moment, you know, I, I know they've they try hard, you know, Brad Inman really. Now, look, we know what he's capable of, but. It really hasn't worked. It's a bit like that, you know, the opponents so far have figured it out already, you know, how Raw are going to attack, and there just doesn't seem to be any reaction to that, um, you know, as far as changing the game plan. It seems to be the same old tired thing, and maybe a deviation by bringing on a player two in the last 10, 15 minutes, but which to me says that, you know, that maybe the defence of the first month of the season, getting that right is probably more important than scoring goals. But like I said, that ain't can last so long before, you know, you start dropping back from the pack and, you know, then you need to start to try and make up those numbers. Yeah, no, I agree. I think 
You don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball too early in the season. Now, there's another clip that you cut up for us, Scott. It's talking about pressure uh, compared to last season. It's pressure based on um, what... He was asking the press conference about, is he feeling any pressure about not having picked up a win so far this year? All right, well, let's hear what uh, Robbie Fowler had to say on that right now. Not a chance, no. I think it's. I think he had a bit harsh in terms of the question. We, um, you know, we've, we've probably dominated three games, so we should have won. Um, look, I'm worried. Not a chance, no. I think we've. Uh, I think we've shown the way we play. You know that we will win games. Um, okay, you want to get off the off the mark and running and uh, get wins early doors. We're not doing that, but you know we've lost one game. You know we've lost one game. Um, you know, in, in the four months I've been here, you know, other than the penalty shootout. Um, so look, you know, it's it, it's good. You know, we're putting in good performances. We're just not getting a little bit of luck. For the referee was not great tonight in terms of uh, lots of decisions, maybe going uh, day away when it should have went our way. Uh, but look, other than that, you know, we're we're not we're not too worried because we'll win game. All right, so that was Robbie Fowler. There. If nothing else, he's definitely not short of confidence in what he's doing. It seems like he, he, he's basically just backing his plan to get him to get them over the line. And look, I know there was the FFA Cup, which, you know, standout uh, competitive matches in the middle of pre-season. It's been three A-League matches. And, you know, I've always operated on the theory. I think I said this, you know, back in our first season when we were talking about it. It takes six weeks for an overhauled squad to really come together. So I'm, I'm willing to give them six matches before I really start to panic and start to go, oh, you know sell the whole squad in January and bring in 23 new players. Yeah, but um, like I said, it's... Uh, but you don't want to be trying to do the same old thing, you know, hoping for, you know, the same same result when it's not working, you know. And I think this is where... I'm not sure where, you know, Aaron and Marty Hallway is as far as, you know, fitness and be able to play a full 90 minutes, you know. We have hardly seen Dylan Wenzel Halls other than, you know, a brief cameo. I'm sure that at some point while... I'm not willing to say that he's a he's a saver and the Messiah. Um, I certainly think that he can he can you know, at least bring bring on an impact. We haven't seen much of you know joining him on the other side. Either. So it just seems to be that you know Robbie Fowler's got one game plan at the moment in attack, and he's just going to keep on trying until you know maybe praying that it works eventually. You know, and realistically, uh, it's not. And I think I think um, opponents are already you know, working out the rules attack. Yeah, I completely agree, James, but you want to see progress and improvement. I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't think we have really seen enough of that in the front third over these first three games. We've certainly seen it defensively, as we've seen less chances conceded, and they kept a clean sheet on the weekend, but offensively, we haven't quite seen that yet. And I'm a bit like Adam. I'd like to see someone like Wenzel Hall's on Marty Holloway feature significantly more. Once again, the subs didn't come on until the 75th minute was the first one. That's, that's leaving it very late to bring a player on to have a genuine impact. We talked last week about Marty Holloway might come on after an hour. That would be, might have been the next step in terms of him building up his minutes. But he only came on the 75th minute or some, somewhere around there, so yeah. you'd like to see that happen a bit earlier. I should clarify that was more a case of, you know, the slightly more extreme area of social media, the Helen Lovejoy reactions of, won't somebody please think of the children? That's next week's intro. Okay, good to know. Well, that's all on YouTube, but we'll get to that more a little bit later. I should also just say, Bankway Stadium, that is really freaking impressive. I very nearly said a different word there. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah, look, um, it's it's you know it's world class stadium at the moment. I think you know it's. Um, like I said it, it Bell's never going to be the same uh, attendance as it was uh, for, the, for the Sydney Derby the week before, but still, you know, it, there was uh, fourteen thousand there, and I'm sure that you know if you're there, it would the atmosphere would have been great. So look, it's a big so thumbs up. From Queensland government watching that by any chance, thinking they might build something similar maybe it's a 20 case maybe probably yeah. probably not 
we can only hope. But yeah, I won't I, hold my breath. No, uh, it's a, it's certainly a really good. Well, it's a good uh, stadium, and I think they're doing a really good job trying to get the RBB back involved after what was a pretty, well, let's be frank, rubbish couple of years for the Wanderers having to basically play nomads. Yeah. It wasn't a great location for them in any way, and that was probably the biggest impact was the active support. But it seems like they're coming back on board, and it also probably helps that the team is, what, 10 points from their first four games as well. Yeah, winning helps. Winning I do, does help. I do want to go to a game down there, but I feel like I'd probably be better off going to like a Wanderers victory game because I feel like I would be much less likely to get punched saying something stupid. Well, Brisbane do go back down there later on this season, so you have an opportunity. What, to get punched? That could happen at any time, really, but I meant they could go down to the Bankwest Stadium. Good to know. Yep. Okay, uh, we'll get on to the rest of the other, uh, other A-League games from the round in the next segment, but first we want to, uh, well take advantage of some uh, listener contributions you can always email us brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com we've got one from James Gray Um, thanks for the podcast well you're very welcome James we mostly love doing it except when Scott and Adam want to kick me Um, his thoughts on the Wanderers game playing well overall as a team but lacking penetration they tend to try and play around teams rather than through the middle more concede the ball in space a couple of times passed it backwards or sideways instead of driving forward and in transition tend to be slow and uncertain rather than driving at defenders on the edge of the box Inman can be uh, quite guilty of this. Uh, that so really sums it up. That really. Absolutely. The, the sideways passing across the midfield and the, the lack of pace in the transition, that's what's really hurting the raw in the possession at the moment. So that absolutely sums it up perfectly. So what he's saying is he could have just saved us 16 minutes if I'd just read that out from the start. It certainly does explain what's going wrong with the attack. No, he's absolutely right, though. Yeah. Like, I do think the fact that like, they've got this clear plan to get it to the get it out wide and cross it in, which is great except as we've been saying for the last 16 and a half minutes, you need to have that plan B of trying to just go straight through the middle, especially when you are trying to play quickly on the break where, you know, maybe a bit more pace is what's needed, but it seems like they said, no, 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 the ball's got to... This is just what I'm seeing as well, following on from what James said. They've got this idea of, no, it's got to go wide, so I've got to wait for the option wide to get there when maybe there might be an option of an in-man making a run through. Well, that's the also thing. On Saturdays... Um game with the wing back so far back there wasn't that width in the front though that took them even longer to get forward into those dangerous areas they certainly did get there at times McGing and and Neville but it took them longer because they were starting from further back so that was a another problem and you're right I wouldn't mind seeing our Wenzel Hall starting in that front too just to make those runs in behind for 70 minutes or just getting more than five minutes that would help it's just um, just the build up is just so painfully slow. Like um, I tell you, like you wouldn't be complaining too much if if Raw got, gets an early goal, you'd almost be confident that you know they that they should be able to weather the storm, you know, by controlling the possession, you know, coming out, and also as well, you know, just be able to absorb absorbing pressure. But the problem is, is that in a in a tied game situation, uh, sorry, drawn game situation, or you know, even try and chase the game, it doesn't inspire you with much confidence until they actually go full, you know, route one down the middle. Um, that, that, that they're going to create, and that's what we saw that against Melbourne Victory, where you know what we knew when they went down one nil after twenty minutes, and then they just continued to play the slow burn build up, you know, this possession based attack, trying to sort of build up. Um, it just it didn't fill you with much confidence that there was going to be an equaliser unless something happened like you know a set piece or you know a penalty shout or something like that. But actually building up and creating a goal at the moment with this raw side, um, it just seemed very few and far between. I think Jared Shea I mean, is key to that. I think yeah, you know, he he's probably the one player that you could say you have have confidence he, he gets the ball that something might be created. But the rest um, and you can't you can't really um, bag Roy Donovan. He the guy is a, is a predator in the box. 
that's that's his job. So he's on. But the others, yeah, it just seems like there's a real lack of um, creativity. Yeah, Joe Shea's had some good moments actually in the first couple of weeks. He's certainly really good on the ball. When he does get the ball in that front third, he can, he can beat a man with, with the dribble, create something, but he just doesn't get the ball enough in those areas. They don't, the, the team doesn't function well enough to get the ball to him there often enough for him to open up the defence. When he does get it, he's capable of doing it, and that's where the Raw's half chances or chances like have come from, but it doesn't they don't get the ball to him there enough. The thing that I like best about O'Shea is the fact that he can do it off the pass or yeah. uh, trying to dribble past his man, which like, uh, this is uh, more of an A-League thing as well. I'm not sure how many players actually get, like, how many of those attacking midfielders really get the ball and think, yeah, you know what, I'm going to beat you, you and you, and then make something happen. It's very rare. Like I said, this is, like I said, if, you, if we're sort of calling spades spades, this isn't just a Brisbane Raw problem. This is mostly across the league that you see that you know, attacking midfields, they seem they just don't seem to have that, um, I don't know whether it's because they're playing to such a structured game plan or where they don't have the instinct to really sort of drive, yeah. drive forward. That's what we're seeing in some of these, you know, these imports that are um, more experienced. That's what they're doing. You can count them on one hand, really. Broich, Ninkovic, and maybe a Diamante. There's not many who are what you're describing. That real dribbler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so one other point that James also mentioned that I do want to touch on very quickly before we uh, finish off segment one is the thoughts on the attacking fullbacks and saying, you know, you've got the prototypes of Ryan Grant, uh, Jason Davidson last year as well, the guys that can really get forward. And uh, yeah, this is taking me back a couple of weeks as well, but I feel like, you know, I want to know what the return of Jack Hingard is going to do for that as well, because he seems like someone who d- will have that pace, and based on his Instagram post last week, he's certainly got the leg strength to run up and down the flank for 90 minutes. He does, and also J- Jake McGinn's actually done quite well in that, in all fairness to him. He's been probably the better of the two fullbacks for the world. He's been really good at getting forward, actually, and getting in position to get those crosses in. And he's got the end of a couple of crosses as well. Not, nothing's come of it yet, but he's getting into those areas. So he's, you're right, those fullbacks, it's such a hard role to play. When you're the only, when you're the fullback in a back three, you've got to be forward every time. You'll be back every time. It's so, so difficult to physically do that. But we mentioned the likes of Sydney FC last year, you know, through you know, Ryan Grant and uh, Michael Zulo, and you know as well uh, Perth Glory through uh, Jason Davison and Ivan Franich. The difference between them and the Raw at the moment is that they had some competent number sixes that are protecting. The, the front, you know, the, the and that goes back to that midfield balance that we were yep. talking about a couple of weeks ago as well, where you've got three midfielders. Jay O'Shea is clearly the attacker, but yeah. you know, Aiden O'Neill and Mork, Mork, Stephen Mork, Mork yeah. are both also probably yeah. I would say very similar sorts of yeah. players who can come and complement the attack. They play that old sort of Massimo Madocca role that yeah. you know who can you know the box to box guy, but maybe not now now defensive midfielder. It was almost like a three midfield actually at the weekend. O'Neill was the central one, maybe slightly deeper. Mork was on the left side of it, and, and Jay O'Shea was on the left. I think they were trying to go out Dan Wilmering, the young left back for the Wanderers. I think they were trying to really target him with O'Shea on that side. So it was more of a three this week, kind of back almost back to the way the rule were with Bratton, Petrados, and Mackay. If you think back to the, when they won yeah. the double in that glorious fun time all those years ago. With it was Mike all, at the helm. It was a similar sort of shape midfield actually on Saturday. Yeah, and that, but the thing is that yeah, like I said, for the wing, yeah, I don't think you can have it both ways. I don't think you can have have you know wing backs that are deep down the pitch, you know, attacking, and also as well having three midfielders also going forward because that's where you get caught out and you're just exposing yeah. the three. And we've seen that in two games already this season. That that's the problem. You can if you get prime Danny Elwes and prime Roberto Carlos, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be in, that'd be in the A League. Completely budget, right? reasonable in the budget, right? No, yeah. we'll just find whatever mo- uh, money Perth we're going to pay Zlatan with and send them to the Raw for the fullbacks. Yeah. 
But Sounds like a plan. All right. And, uh, yeah, we thank James again for his email. If you've got any comments, questions, discussion topics for us, we would love to hear from you. Uh, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com because I believe you two may need a little bit of help next Wednesday because, well, this time next week, I'm probably going to be sitting on a beach in Fiji. Mean, Not pro- really. Mean probably? Well, I, it, it will be... 8.32 Fiji time, so it might be a little bit windy on the beach by that stage. You're on holidays, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, let's take a quick break. Massive we'll sympathy back. for him, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, well. We'll be back after this. This is a Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you in a sec. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you. And uh, wherever you're listening to us, be it on podcast or on the Football Nation Radio, we're very, very pleased that you're joining us for our ninth episode of the fourth season of doing this. And we've got uh, some other A-League games to get on to now for segment two. Just quickly, Sydney 4, Newcastle 1. Uh, I think it was a case of Sydney being really good and Newcastle struggling. Yes, they really did draw the short store Newcastle in this game against Sydney FC, who had a... I think they really came up with a point where they do not like losing derbies in particular. And I don't think they've lost back-to-back games in the league for a fair while. So this was a real hiding for nothing for them. But Sydney FC, geez, they look good. And Bahaj is back fit now as well. So that's just another another really good attacking weapon they've got. Not that they need it. Because he'd been circled as one of those key guys last season. Yeah, absolutely. And they wound up having to bring in... Uh, was it? Did they bring in Razor Gashanajad as the replacement for that? Or am I thinking I of I think they might have. Also, Simdi Young didn't deliver. Well, that to too. what they thought, but yeah. Other good change out as well was also brought in for the um, the plus one for the um, ACL, but obviously they... That was a long time ago. They, but they also would off. have had space to be able to, um, yeah, because uh, Trent Bahaj is sort of, you know, coming back from a serious knee injury, so it's good to see him back, because I actually had him pegged as one of the, uh, you know, the, the most, sort of the most improved sort of, you know, play, young players to watch, so... Definitely. All right, let's keep moving. Game of the season, this one. Western Melbourne 3, Melbourne Victory 2 at Marvel Stadium. Victory 2-0 up, and I thought the uh, route was on, but in the end, Western United showed what they were put more than capable of there. This is a great thing for the A-League. Like, forget forget if I have any um, sort of, you know, bias Personal against... Personal stake. Yeah, <laughs> you know, against Melbourne Victory. But I think for the A-League, this is a great result because, you know, Western United, they're only going to build from that. And also as well, Melbourne Victory, 104 games. The streak where they have, they have never lost from 2-0. I will point out, I will send a message from a man of mine, Sean, who said they have lost once before from 2-0 up. They lost 4-2 to Guangzhou in the Asian Champions League. That's that is A-League. You're right, James. This was huge for for the league generally because they needed one of these Melbourne derbies to pop and become an absolute... It's it's funny you mentioned that. I believe that um, Alessandro Diamante was actually playing for Guangzhou in that game too. So (laughs) That's the (laughs) trick. That might be the trick. (laughs) There we go. Get him to play every game with victory. It's good. But this is is really important for the league. One of these derbies had to really catch imagination down there and that might actually be the thing to do at Western United coming from... two goals down to beat Melbourne Victory in their first clash. It might do it, but I was wondering if Mark Rudin actually watched the the highlights of the Raw Victory game the week before because they got sliced open the exact same way the Raw did in those wide areas. Turnover in possession and they got exposed in wide areas and Toivon in that first 20 minutes was brilliant. Yeah. But after that, Western United were really good value for it. The only thing I'm disappointed about if they had those flags that they were waving in the front row with the supporters, I really wanted someone to grab one of those <laughs> and go and plant it in the centre circle of, at um, Marvel Save. That would have been absolutely brilliant. That sounds like the actions of a certain um, NFL quarterback whose career kind of went downhill after I don't he... want to talk about it. 
<laughs> he plays for uh, an Ohio team, not the rubbish Bengals, but the rubbish. Oh, those Browns! Yeah, I thought out? we've banned discussion on the NFL on this show. I thought you would be more than willing to talk about it, considering the Patriots' result on Monday. Uh we could, but we'll be going for another four hours. So and it better not. Be, and it would just be you two laughing. <laughs> anyway, we better not. Let's move on then. Um, City three, Wellington two. Scott, you've got a VAR rant. Keep it short. Yeah, something that I'm not laughing about. I mean, this is ridiculous. This. I mean, how? I don't think anyone looks at that and thinks that's anything close to a penalty. And Fenton's reaction, very just straight away. His first reaction was, "Guys, this is cool. It's fine." the VAR will pick this up and hit my chest. And it it clearly did hit his chest, and obviously it didn't. I would really like to say it was what he said it was after the game with Fox Sports, but unfortunately I don't think we're allowed to say that on here. No, uh, especially not uh, now that we're on Football yeah. Nation Radio. We're the whole system's an absolute friendly. joke, though. I mean, just across the world, it does not work. It was supposed to do three things. It was meant to clear up controversy. It hasn't done that. It's meant to remove howlers. Well, that was a howler. It didn't, re- didn't fix that one. It... It's meant to get decisions right. It's not getting them right. It's none for three. Can we please get rid of it now? Across the world, everywhere, it's not just in our league this happens. In the Premier League it happened as well with the league leaders at the weekend having a goal ruled out that I don't I don't like the club, but they probably should have got that goal given. It's everywhere around the world this is not working. Can we get rid of it now, please? I just, I agree the system is not working, but I think just major, it needs major overhaul not to be ruined. And that could just involve getting, I don't know, maybe someone slightly like someone from the outside to try and adjudicate those decisions maybe you just get 10 guys from the bar down the road to adjudicate it because that seems to be the common sense approach there's not much more I can add to what Scott's saying because I completely agree the only thing I will say is that you know what the technology technology is there that makes things easier and I think it's the way it's been used um, is why it is just it's been a complete embarrassment for world football in general it's not this is not an Australia problem this is this is worldwide you know like it's turning the Premier League into a joke the, the bastion of, of club football so yeah and the, but the one point I do also want to make though this isn't an A-League exclusive problem just you know looking around the rest of Australia as well you know you consider the NRL bunker the AFL goal review system don't even start me on Super Rugby's TMO as a Queensland Reds member as well the only one that's been accepted is tennis and that's I don't even think that's right half the time the players have just accepted it. But on the actual game, I thought that, that Wellington actually played quite well in the game. And young Ben Wayne was really, really impressive in this game. Scored a good goal and played quite well. So there's lots of, a lot of promise there for Wellington Phoenix, despite not having a point so far in the and season. Even Gary Hooper got on the score sheet yeah, early. So. Yeah, I kind of thought they would be uh, struggling for goals in this one, especially with City missing Jamie McLaren. But, well, you don't get them all right. <laughs> Another one that we were all way off on Central Coast 2 Perth 1 I, I think all credit he has to go to the Mariners Sam Silvera is far and away the best thing going at that club in a very long time I owe the club from Gosford an apology because <laughs> I completely wrote off their chances I thought they could absolutely smacked and good on them that you know that was a really really good win and look we've, we've sung Samuel Silvera's praise on this show before and look he um, he may be up there as you know one of the prime rising star talents you know in, in this league at the moment completely agree Silvera was brilliant but we've also got to mention Danny De Silva was really good as well and this could actually be a result that the Mariners really do build on from because they've shown signs of like progress over the years like when they've been struggling but this is a this could be a real standout result we look back on I think if they do make the top six at the end of the season, that's where it started. With that hope, win away to Perth glory. I just hope it's not the typical Mariners of the past and that, you know what, they, they're they always too good for one or two efforts. Normally, it's Sydney that cops it. 
Sydney FC concert. So, um, look, I, I hope they will, because it's the, probably the most complete game they've, they've played, they've put together, probably in about you know, a good two seasons. And Central Coast did actually run Perth very close in Perth last year. I think it was a 3-2 game or something to that effect. Yeah. It was actually, right. And there yeah. was, shockingly, VAR controversy. Never. Would never happen. I don't know what's wrong with Perth, though. They seem to be well off the ball compared to last year. Definitely. Now, um, we are going to have to move on to the news now because, yeah, I think, just let, let's move on. Uh, we're going to skip over most of the W League stuff because once we're finished recording this podcast, we're going to go and record our W League season preview special, which will be available in your podcast feeds and possibly on the FNRs at some point uh, Friday. It'll be on the podcast feed Friday morning anyway. I'm not sure uh, if FNR are going to play it, but... Yeah, we'll give the uh, W League side the full preview treatment, including an interview with Jake Goodship, which I'm planning to record tomorrow. So, uh, so if you're listening to this, Jake, you got plenty of time to escape and run away. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if someone wants to slash my tyres to stop me from getting out there, then they're more than welcome to do that as well. Actually, no, please don't. I just got a new car. One, anyway. two, three, fake street where you'll find that car. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the Y League side had a warm-up for their season. They lost 3-2 to an African select side on Saturday afternoon, which I believe was a precursor uh, organised by the Raw Supporters Federation out at the training grounds at Logan before a viewing party for the Wanderers game. And, well, as a reward for making the effort to go and support the W League side, you had to sit through a nil-all draw in the A League. Seems yeah. not quite fair, but anyway... <laughs> Yeah, look, we have Well, that was meant to be a joke. But yeah. anyway, that kind of felt We, we haven't heard much out of, you know, sort of anything um, that came out of it, who played or anything like that. Yeah. I haven't seen any reports. So, look, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's one of those cases, look, it's pre-season. You know, you know a lot of, a lot of the top players are involved with the senior side at the moment. So, it might have been a really young squad, you know, thinking, you know, MPL. So... Well, they haven't played since, what, late, late August. So, it's been a while since they would have played. So, they definitely need... Some minutes ahead of the wide league season. Definitely. All right, now we've got some uh, quick-fire headlines to run through for the rest of the segment. We're going to start with the junior national teams. The Under-17 World Cup, Australia 2, Nigeria 1. Uh, Jordan, Courtney Perkins and Isaac Powell both played 90 minutes. And they will play France Thursday morning Australian time? Or is yes. That- yes, tomorrow morning when we're recording this. But, yeah, it's a great opportunity for them, really. So it's great to see them get through. It's, we don't haven't seen the Australian national teams at that level get through the first round of the group stage for a while now so it's great for them and this is a tremendous experience to play what will be a really good French side I imagine France have always got great depth in their national teams have always got players coming through so this could be a really good test for the young Jordan Courtney Perkins and Isaac Powell to go up against you never know maybe the next Mbappe might be playing for I, France I was going to say I look forward to seeing the 2025 Golden Ball winner or uh, Ballon d'Or I mean <laughs> you may very well yeah, look, uh, but also as well, looking back, you know, to that win over Nigeria, look, you can't underestimate you know, Nigeria um, are at, at that level. They always, I think if five-time, um, they might be five-time winners, I believe. I, I think I was that, but that, that's a huge win. And Noah Bottich, you know, he's he's going to be a star. Like we, we said about Samuel Silvera, you know, you know the, the rates on him, Noah Bottich at the moment as well. He... Um, there's a lot of you know, stock in him at the moment. Got some good young players at the moment in Australian football, haven't we? We've got mm. uh, Noah Bodic, Sam Silvera and Al Hassan Toure has apparently this week said he's going to choose Australia over Liberia. So that's just another great weapon Australia have got at their disposal for the next 15, 20 years. You just killed my segue. Thank you very much, Scott. You can use it anyway. Yes, well, Australia is getting uh, hopefully another young rising talent in the striking ranks with Al Hassan Toure reportedly committing to play for Australia. So... 
Yeah, great. Well done, James. Anyway, uh, New Zealand beat Canada 1-0, but they'll likely uh, bow out. That's confirmed, yes? I think that's confirmed, yeah. Yeah, Jackson Simkin played 90 minutes and Keegan Jelicic started but was subbed at half-time in that match. So uh, that's a couple of names to keep an eye on if you follow NPL Queensland. Yeah. Yep. It's, cool. uh, yeah, like, yeah, good to see a couple of Brisbane-based boys. You know, you're also getting some experience in the World Cup. I should also point out, if we do sound a little bit fried today, or more to the point, me, it's because I just came off my busiest day of the year at work yesterday, so for my day job. It's, it all held together, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the happiest, busiest day of the year. All right, uh, Kai Truman was selected in the Young Socceroos squad for the AFC Under-19 Qualifiers. Yep, Congratulations so I, to him. I think they yep. start this week, actually, so yep. I'm not 100% sure on the dates, but they're over the next week or so. Yep, and the Young Matildas won Vietnam nil. They progressed to the semi-finals of the AFC Under-19 Women's uh, Competition. Yes, Jeez, they have they have cops from shocking weather in Shamburi. Um, no doubt, like I said, one nil. Yeah, it's look, good on Vietnam. They they stuck at it. Um, it took Mary Fowler to sort of put you now pull them out of the muck almost literally. So um, yeah, but they have cops from shocking weather in that, in that tournament, and uh, I, I think there'll be a lot of stories from those, from those young girls, you know, about their experience playing in this tournament. But you know, there is a silver lining: semi-final uh, tonight, as a time of recording, uh, against Japan. If they if they win that, they're off to the uh, FIFA Under Twenty Women's World Cup in Nigeria. I also do have a second chance as well, because three teams from the semi-finals do go through. So if they don't, if Japan do happen to win tonight, there is a second chance for the for the young Matildas to qualify for that World Cup next and year. And third place playoff actually means something. And while we're on the uh, national teams as well, the FFA and PFA issued a joint media release with a historic collective bargaining agreement that closes football's gender pay gap for the national teams, from what I've read. I'm just... yeah. I haven't read much of it, but I understand that it's they're getting 40% of the um, revenue generated by the teams is going to each of them. So it's equal, which is great. I have no issue with it whatsoever. I've seen... Plenty of people having issue with it. I don't see why it's it's actually good, really. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's fantastic the yeah. progress that they've made yeah. on and off the pitch as well, and being you know recognised by a much greater portion of the public as a legitimate national sports team, which you know in the past they might have just been looked at with a bit more derision. Yeah, look, well, that's the thing is, is that it, it is reward. Uh, this Matilda side have been up you know for a while. They look, they arguably they've outperformed. You know if outperform the Socceroos. Look, you can, you can sort of do the whole men versus women debate. Look, I'm not going to... I'm not going to get into that. It's a waste that. of time. It's, it's a waste of time, that. Um, and look, a lot, a lot of the... And a lot of the sort of the comments, the snarky comments have been made, I think it's born out of ignorance I think more than anything else. Not of... Just, you know, it's not just sexism, but I think just understanding where they sit. But look, for, for mine, like I said, when you have someone Sam Kerr, who I think at the moment is the face of Australian football. Um, face of Nike... Really? Yeah. You, look, next to Cristiano Ronaldo, and, they're the faces of the Nike football. Yeah, and look, and that's the thing, isn't that? It's not just Sam Kerr. It's the whole team. They're, they're a successful team. They go, they've gone to World Cups. You know, fingers crossed they get to the Olympics. You know, it, it's it's just it's just rewards for a lot of hard work. Yeah, and you know, it hasn't been an easy road. You know, no, you're right. So it, it makes it a profession now, really, because it's been in the past. It's seen some of these Matildas. Yes, they play football, but they have jobs on the side of that. Now they don't need to do that. Now yeah. they can be full time professional football. 12 months of the year it's absolutely brilliant and I did read yep. I did see the PFA thing today I think they're putting a percentage of this money is going to the junior soccer yep. and junior Matildas so that those players when they're coming through those the setups around those teams is better than it has been so they're also looking to the next generation as well which is it's all around a greatly positive announcement isn't it yes exactly and the positivity continued with a bunch of awards around South East Queensland in the last 
I'd say week. Week, yes, since we last <laughs> recorded. I'm going to have to go and make a coffee very, very soon, I think. <laughs> City of Logan Awards. The Raw Youth win the Logan Sports Team of the Year because, of course, they are based at the yes. Logan Football Complex, yes. I believe it's called. Yes, it's for winning the Y League as well. Yes, and a very good effort in that. Claire Polkinghorne wins Sportswoman of the Year and uh, looking forward to seeing her back with the Raw W League squad. Yes. Uh, the Q Sport nominations. Lions FC nominated for Team of the Year for their efforts making a second successive NPL grand, NPL yeah. National Grand Final and also claiming the NPL Queensland yeah. Premiership. Uh, Warren Moon nominated for Coach of the Year. Uh, once again, congratulations, Warren. I'm sure he listens to us each and every week with... Uh, you know, he better the amount of times we've spoken to him. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually historic, though, because the Brisbane Raw have been nominated for a bunch of these awards in years past, but this is the first time an NPL side have been nominated for one of these awards, so it's actually a really historic thing. I'm not sure if they'll win it or they won't win it, but it's great that they've been recognised for what has been a phenomenal two years for them out there at yep. Richlands. Yes, and uh, another Queenslander involved as well, or another Queensland football person involved in that. Chris Beath is nominated for Referee of the Year. The winners will be announced November 30th, and we will... I suppose, post anything on our socials if uh, any of that comes out. Yeah, now, no booing for, <laughs> for Chris Beath being uh, nominated referee of the year. But look, it's just funny. Um, all good referees come from Queensland uh, in football. So It's a proven fact that, really. Yeah. yeah. And Mark Shield, Jared Gillette. And just yep. look at MPL Victoria. They've got plenty of good players from Queensland there as well. And, and the Melbourne Victory. And well, I'd like to think that we're propping up. Uh, our state is doing a good job propping up Victorian football. Absolutely. Anyway. Always have been, always will be. Yep, exactly. That's why. Anyway, I could say something that'll probably get a lot of angry comments. So <laughs> I'll just, just remember what, you, what medium you're on. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to all our listeners on Football Nation Radio. Anyway, uh, football, football Queensland Awards Night. Uh, NPL Player of the Year, Alex Smith, which is just ridiculously impressive considering he, uh, I'm pretty sure, played a fair chunk of the season on a torn ACL, he was saying. So fantastic way for yeah. him to cap what is a stellar career. Yes, he's of course rehabbing from that ACL, which unfortunately for him went in stoppage time of the semi-final, which ruled him out of that grand final. So it was a, another great season from him and he thoroughly deserves the award. Yep. Coach of the Year, Warren Moon. Well, look, we've praised him enough. I don't want him to get too big of a head. <laughs> and then Young Player of the Year, Oscar Dillon, who, well, yeah. just caps yeah. a fantastic run for him, doesn't it? Yeah, look, um, yeah, he had a great season. I th- and I actually think he got better as the season guy and especially you know sort of partnering with Matt Smith in that uh, Gold Coast Knights uh, centre you know, defensive pairing I think he just got banned you know deserving young player of the year definitely and the NPLW player of the year was Riley Basden now of the Brisbane yep. Raw and the FQPL player of the year was Jeremy Stewart so congratulations to all of those award winners and, ma- and many and many more um, I think we've got all the award winners from the night on our on our social media and I'm pretty sure yes. Football Queensland has a rundown yeah. of all that oh, as well yes of course they do um, I think Riley Bazin and Jeremy Stewart also did win the Golden Boot in their respective competitions as well definitely now one last story that we should uh, touch on very quickly from the local scene this, uh, what is it Henrique? That name sounds familiar. It does sound a bit familiar, doesn't it? I think we all, when he said he's coming back to play in the NPL, I don't think anyone thought the Coomera Colts would be the destination. This but, this story on our Facebook, uh, if, if it's a word you can say that, you know, they, I heard the, you know, the expression broke the internet. Mm. 
this broke our Facebook page. The the amount of interest is so it is remarkable. It just shows how much Enrique still means to fans. I think it's a it is a great move for uh, Kuma Colts. I think they're really sort of you know taking momentum of you know getting to the round thirty two. Now look, I think they're, they're shooting for the stars at the moment. I think they've got a great they've got a great vehicle to roll on the back of now. Yeah. So you know, well done to Steve McDonald, the coach there, and the rest of the playing squad. I think they've had a fantastic pickup there and I can't wait to see uh, Enrique there might have to try and uh, have a day at Dreamworld and then get down to a Kuma Colts game at some point this season there's certainly the a lot season. of lot of interest in Kuma Colts at the moment I'll be very interested to see what sort of what that translates into in terms of support in terms of get people going to Kuma to see them play and also when they go to the various stops around the Gold Coast Premier League what the crowds are like there because I, you imagine people want to go and watch on Enrique because not only is he a Brisbane Royal legend he's just such a brilliant player and at that level, he'll be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, exactly. I I do wonder if eventually Coomera might have their sights set on possibly something higher than, with all due respect to the Gold Coast Premier League, a higher level of competition. You've, than that. you've got to think so. You, you've got you've got to think that. You know, this is it. It, it remains to see whether Enrique actually does play FQPL or MPL because you know he he may have decided he's he's there for two years. But look, I think in the club itself, I think they've got ambition. I think yeah, we we will. I'm almost sure that we'll see them in the MPL sooner rather than later. Well, the last Gold Coast club who showed some ambition to get from Gold Coast Premier League to the MPL, they won it in, what, two years? Yep. Something like yeah. that, yeah. Oh, they, they was bit one year in the Gold Coast Premier League where they won everything, then they moved into the Premier, the, Gold Coast, the MPL this year and won the grand final. Yes, yeah, certainly. So, so, well done, Coomera. It can be done. You can move from the Gold Coast Premier League and get into the MPL. It can be done. Yes, definitely. So, well done, Coomera. Excellent job of recruiting there. And I can't wait to see what that brings next season as well because we could be in for another Coomera Colts FFA Cup round of 32 run. It's entirely possible. They were dominant last year, the Gold Coast. Definitely. In the meantime, we're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to come back and uh, talk about this Sunday's game at Cooper Stadium. Roar taking on Adelaide United. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for the third and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you this evening or this afternoon or this morning or whenever you choose to listen to us. We're very happy to have you on board, whether it's on podcast or on Football Nation Radio. Um, We've got an Adelaide United game to preview. Now, last season there was more than a bit of drama in uh, these matches, wasn't there, Adam? I don't know what it's about Raw and Adelaide. Whenever they get together, it's you're guaranteed almost entertainment. Um, and, and not necessarily entertainment on the pitch. It might be pitch adjacent. Um, maybe having no other wissies involved in this game may well, tamper down a little bit. that did make a difference bit. last year anyway. I'm yeah, going to also just say, you know, I'm guessing he's probably not listening, but if he is, um, Tony Grant, you've got a lot to live up to. <laughs> and uh, those doors leading to and from the pitch from the change rooms probably should uh, make sure they're reinforced. Just give them a little test with your boot. Well, let's hope that the rules discipline is much better this time than last year. They had three red cards in Adelaide last year, and in the last three trips to Adelaide, it's actually four players sent off, because remember the Thomas Christensen in goal? Oh, yeah, that's right. That was fun as well. Theo with the shoulder shake. Can we just keep 11 players on the field this time, guys? That'd be fantastic. So, last week... You know, the clean sheet was, you know, kind of a moral victory. Keeping all eleven on the field this time is also going to be a moral victory. Yes. 
Oh, there's one thing that has actually... I, I will give uh, Robbie Fowler credit for this. It seems like the discipline overall has been a lot sharper this year. And, you know, that probably does come from the fact that you've got a guy like Tom Aldred out there basically saying, hey, stay in line. I can't think of too many yellow cards that have been given out this year. I, I normally keep tabs on it. I haven't done that yet this year. But, yeah, you're right. There hasn't been too many yellow cards. Or really too many fouls conceded by the Royal. They've been much more disciplined. And, again, it's a big bugbear of mine because I hate the players being suspended for accumulation yellow cards, but it's been really good so far. You're right. Return to the good old days where Raw, you know, sort of uh, up in the sort of up in the ranks as far as the fair play goes. And I think uh, Matt also shows that at least defensively that they're in control because I think a lot of those yellow cards that we saw over the previous years is because they're losing control of the game. Yep. They have to do those cheap fouls to you know to break up play and whatnot. So the fact is, I think it's a reflection on you know defensively they're, they're sort of they're getting there. Also known as the Josh Berlante, Brandon O'Neill special. <laughs> yes. Cheap foul. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I, I, there were plenty of goals in these games as well. So I think it was five three at Suncorp last year. It was four three in the February match yes. as well. I think it was two one in the first game where Stephen Moore got eye gouged by what's his face Taylor Regan was it? I at some point I go check my that notes many. with these incidents in these games. It's yeah. they all just blur into one. Exactly. Either way, it seems like he that, guaranteed... That, that was also a game that Stefan Mork did the kamikaze and got himself sent off. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, was it Jordan Elsie tried to attack him while he was face down on the ground? Oh, so yes, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to have to make sure I record this game to watch when I get back, because I'm, I'm going completely off the grid for the next two weeks from Friday morning, so I'm looking forward to seeing just what drama I'm going to miss out on. It'll be something. There will be drama, well, hopefully not too much drama in the away bay, because, of course, the CEO of the Raw, Mr. David Pure, and friend of the show, is uh, buying beer for some of the travelling uh, Raw fans there, so well done to him on that. Yep, 50, and you're getting your, your first drink shouted courtesy of the boss. Yes, definitely. So I, I think that's a fantastic move as well, because, you know, travelling sport isn't really something that exists in the A-League unless you're travelling across one city to another. Yeah, and Adelaide's not normally the place where fans choose to go. Normally it's go down to Sydney, go to Melbourne, go to New Zealand, which is always a popular trip. Come up Ad- to South East Queensland Ad- in the middle Ad- of school holidays. Ad- Adelaide's not normally a place that A-League fans tend to look at, so it'd be great. And, I, we do and have... that last year they did have a fair few down there as well, so it's... There is a there is a decent size expat raw um, sort of presence down there. I know a good friend of the show of ours is also... Hey, Tegan. <laughs> uh, it's sort of there, so yeah, look... Um, yeah, Adelaide always, it seems, it's a game is almost like for Raw. You, you can't miss it. It is entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. You're pretty, well, pretty much guaranteed to get some sort of crazy stuff happening, I think. And that's the best part of it all, is that there's so much to look forward to there. And, you know, I, I do like what Adelaide are doing this year as well. In the Cup, they've been really good, haven't they? Obviously, it's, they are the Cup Kings, as we know. But in the league, they haven't quite hit those sides. I know it's three games, but they were... Inconsistent against Adelaide and Melbourne City. They played Adelaide well were inconsistent against Adelaide. Against Melbourne City and Sydney, I beg your pardon. I'm as tired. But anyway, <laughs> they were they were good last out in the league against Newcastle before their bye. So maybe they've turned a corner in that respect. I think this is the one game I think you know, where you know we were talking about in the first segment of the show where Raw's you know attack seems a bit toothless because you know obviously you also got to give credit to the offensive that they've come up against as well. Adelaide, I think, have shown a propensity where, you know what, I think they can be got at a little bit. I think that they can actually, that if they take their chances, I think there's going to be goals in this game. Um, ju- just as much as I think they're, obviously Adelaide have got some fantastic attacking weapons as well. So I don't think the defence can rest on their laurels. But I think that the, the um, sort of maligned raw 
offense at the moment, I think they might get the chances to do something. Absolutely. Well, take a look at how many chances Olympic were able to generate in that FFA mm. Cup tie up here. Yeah, but they scored two in that game, didn't they? Yep, yes, three two. I, I agree with you. Actually. I think the Raw absolutely can get it Adelaide yeah. in this game. But it's just if provided they can get into the front third enough, I agree with you. Adelaide have not been terribly good defensively so far in the league, and you're right. I think they have vulnerabilities in that area. I'll, I'll say this much as as a, as a prediction that if the Raw held scores this week, we've got some. They've got some real problems. Because I think Adelaide, as a defence, I think it's a side that you, you know you can, yeah. You know, unless unless it's just completely wasteful. But then again, that or be if a it's um, Izzo having the game of his life. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the only exception. That you know, if they if they put you know ten shots on target, and Izzo saves all of them, then you know what, you just go, you clap and go, well done. And but uh, yeah, look, I, I think you know, Raw can certainly score. Some that's goals that's still getting at the Adelaide defence. So if you're creating yeah. ten mm. clear cut chances, that's a massive Absolutely, improvement. Absolutely, yeah. So I agree. Even if they don't go in, I think they're going to create a bucket load of chances yeah. this week. Yeah, we can only hope, and we hope so anyway. We really hope this is an entertaining game. I was going to ask, are you going to make any changes to the lineup? But I suppose we've already covered that quite a bit in segment one. You know, we want to see, you know, if they do go with the same eleven, maybe just a little bit of a tweak to the approach and see if something come if something changes. Again, I think it comes down to I think what Robbie Fowler's mindset is is that if if he's looking for the same sort of results in you know that tight defence and you know maybe you know getting you know well, I wasn't lucky but sort of angling for a counter-attack, you know, getting the break, and you know, maybe, you know, you know, making chances off, you know, a set piece, then, you know, I think he seeks for the same side. But, you know, who knows? He might spring a surprise, and, you know, maybe a um, Aaron and Marty Hallway may start, or even Dylan Winslow Halls. Um, probably the more former than the latter. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, if, if Robbie Fowler sort of, you know, started to turn the corner and say, you know what, our defence is going well, then maybe we need to start working on attack. Um, that might be the change that does it. I'd like to see it, but I think he'll stick with the preferred starting 11 for another week. Yeah. But hopefully if they do bring in a Marty Holloway and Windsor Halls earlier in the game this week. Look, that's what... We'll more than, so they get more than 10 minutes off the bench. Hopefully they get more than We're going to keep asking for it until it happens. Yeah, absolutely we are. Anyway, um, okay, let's go quickly around the other games for this weekend. Friday, Melbourne City Central Coast. I think this is going to be a real good test for the Mariners to see if they can back up that big win in Perth with another strong showing. I think I think City might might get over the line, but look, I think Mariners. Um, I think they'll, they'll be in it for a long way. I think, um, but I think City might just have. Is McLaren back or is he out? McLaren, he's no, out for he's quite a few weeks. I'd give the Mariners a real chance with that Jamie McLaren. Though. I think that they're they've got. It's going to be young players versus young players because Melbourne City, we know, have got a bunch of good young players, and Central Coast with Silvera and Dane Silver. This could be a really good advert for Australian football with younger players. I think the Mariners have a a really good shot in this game. Another win for ABC Saturday, Newcastle against Perth. Oh, you poor... <laughs> poor oh. Perth with a rare away trip. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hopefully the the away kit actually makes it to Newcastle. Yes, you're <laughs> on... The reason of yes, you are on notice quarters. Get that kit over there. Or right. bring it all. Perth, take a second kit. Or just take it and carry on. Yeah. yeah. All right, and then you've also got the Battle of the Wests on the East Coast after that with Western United taking on Western Sydney. This could be a good game, actually. I think it will be. Yeah, just, I mean, look, Western United have been really good, actually, in the start to, to their A-League life. I think we all kind of weren't sure what to expect of them because we hadn't seen much of them, but they've been really, really impressive. And it is a club with a lot of work to do off the pitch as well, trying to build that fan base. Well, I don't think they're getting quite the same traction as uh, what MacArthur seemed to be getting uh, in New South Wales. That's so, not in the run sheet, but MacArthur are doing a fantastic bit of work, actually, in the last week. Yeah. So maybe Western United's best way forward is just getting results. I think so. And I, I like Wolsey, I think, I don't know what the crowd figure was for the last their last 
home game. This is at not great, I don't think. Where, 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 where so is this, this game? This is down in Geelong. This is Geelong, yeah. yeah. So I thought. I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Yo, know, I think it must be the Raw game. It's in um, Ballarat. Ballarat. Yeah, it is. So, it's one of three in Ballarat, but yeah, this game's look, in Geelong. Yeah. Look, you know, they. I think they got somewhere between six and eight. If they can push ten, based on you know sort of confidence and you know people getting out there, seeing after the victory win, I think that will be a win. But I think um, look, Western Sydney are going to come out firing as well. Um, I think uh, even though they got a point, I don't think they were very happy. I don't know if Schwiegel's going to play either. When he went off in the game, back to one, he, he went. His absence was a big loss to them in that game. And if he's not, I'm not available on Saturday night, it's a big loss because he's such a good player. Definitely. All right, and then Sunday, the early game there will be uh, Melbourne victory against Wellington in the what is usually the pre-Melbourne Cup fixture, but hasn't been the last couple of years. It's the uh, it's the post stakes day. There game, we go. I think so. I'm sure if it's anything like Derby Day last week with the victory. Uh, Western United clash. There will be quite a few people in um, in suits showing up to that match. Wow, they'd have to be having a good night out. The sun, it's Sunday. You're right. It is. <laughs> I can't afternoon, so it'd be be a really good night out. But um, oh, look, there's nothing wrong with dressing up for the football. Yeah. yeah. But uh, look, I think uh, Victory can bounce back. But I wouldn't write Wellington off um, either. I'll so. tell you what. If Wellington play like against Melbourne City, VAR notwithstanding, I think they can beat Victory. They look like they're in all sorts at the moment, particularly with. The absences they have in the front third, they're missing some key players. And at the moment, I think that if Wellington plays as well as they can, I think they can get this game. Certainly. As, as, yeah, the injuries really do seem like they're taking their toll yeah. on victory as well, and it's just more and more pressure going on uh, Ola Toivonen. Well, he's playing, but he's also clearly he's ailing doing, as well, so he's got his own issues. He's doing everything at the moment, Ola Toivonen. He's just, there's not much... Um, isn't he, like, you, but when you lose the likes of Naboo, you know, Cruz... You know, Hoogland at the back as well. Yeah, Hoogland as well, yeah. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a struggle, so... Look, uh, yeah, but I think, yeah, Wellington, I think a good show if they show up. There we go. All right, now back to the Raw game, which is actually next in line on the A-League fixture list anyway. Um, quick uh, story of the game, Scott. The Raw will find their attacking scoring boots in this game. Entertainment. The Raw are going to look as good as they have all season because they will be wearing their black kit. Mm. There you go. Which I'm a very, very big fan of. Oh, so. I, think it's the, I think it's clearly far and away the big... Uh, the most popular kit, so but we're going to get. I think we only get to see it once a season, and it's based on, Sunday. Based on what the uh, RSF posted earlier in the week as well, yes. so a special remembrance round kit is going to be used as. So I probably should have led with the fact that this is remembrance round. Yep. Whoops. <laughs> anyway, you, you finished with it. You finished with the most important part of the round. It's all fine. Exactly. All right. Uh, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, guys. Good to see you again, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy your holiday. Holiday. Yes, that's right. So. Uh, the Brisbane Football Review will be James Free for the next two weeks, I believe. As... Stop celebrating at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah Mum, Dad, I can hear you. <laughs> but yes, uh, so I'm off for the next two weeks. I'm going to be comfortably lying on a beach in Fiji for two weeks and making the most of uh, a belated 30th birthday present to myself. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, we appreciate your company. Send in any comments, questions to the email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, Scott and Adam will be back next week anyway. This has been a Podular Media production. We'll talk to you then.